0: Taking
2: it to a
1: do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show, coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network, and podcast on the internet at bz.org.au and 3CR.org.au. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Winnigle, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts Natalie Bucknell. Hello, Kay. Laura Perry. And Michael Steindl.
2: G'day all, g'day listeners. We've
1: got quite a team here today. We're going to be talking today to Stephanie Morris, who's the CEO for the Queensland-based company Nouvelle. Nano that's N-A-N-O-N-O-U-V-L-L E. which has developed a 3D nanoporous conducting membrane that can improve the energy storage capacity of lithium, lithium battery cells by up to 50%. Lithium-ion batteries are used in mobile phones, energy storage and electric vehicles predominantly. So given the expected rapid expansion of these applications, such an improvement in energy storage is seriously impressive. Hello, Stephanie, and welcome to our show. Hello. How are you today?
0: I'm great, thanks.
1: Excellent. Everything's there. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, great. I'm really looking forward to this and we've got a lot of questions to get through. So Stephanie, okay. you were a panelist at the BZE Renewable Energy Superpower launch in Nusa last year, uh, which was discussing zero emissions and how batteries contribute to zero emissions. How do they contribute?
0: Well, batteries are, are really important as an energy storage device. So zero emissions, of course, it has to come from a, a, a provider of energy that is zero emissions, such as renewable energies, um, wind and solar. But those renewable energies are not always available exactly in the amount that you need them when you need them. And so that's where the energy storage comes in, that you can store that energy and use it at a different time. And there are different ways to store energy, of course, but in in many cases, batteries is um, a very good way of doing that so that you can use that renewable energy at a different time.
1: Okay. So as we were just discussing um, at the start, you're working on the improving performance of the lithium batteries, can you first of all explain to our listeners what the composition of a standard lithium-ion battery is?
0: Well, lithium-ion batteries are, are made um, like, like all batteries. Basically, there's the uh, two electrodes, the anode and the cathode, and um, each electrode will have a, a current collector that brings the electrons in and out of the battery and an active material, and that's where the actual energy is stored. And so it's generally a chemical reaction between whatever is the ion that's carrying the electricity inside the battery with the active material, and that releases the electrons which travel around the outside circuit. So um, you have the two electrodes and then the ions that travel back and forth through the electrolyte, and in lithium-ion batteries that ion is is the ion of lithium. And other batteries have different um, different species that travel back and forth.
2: So Stephanie Michael here. Um, you have two products in development, as I understand it, uh, one called Lumifoil and the other called Nanode. Can you tell us about Lumafoil first?
0: Well, Lumifoil is, um, is a material that would replace the existing current collector on the anode side. So today in lithium-ion batteries, that current collector is solid copper and copper is a very heavy metal so it actually forms quite a lot of the weight of the battery and in a lot of applications such as electric vehicles or drones or things where the weight is really important then you want to get you want to reduce the amount of copper mm-hmm. but solid copper you can only reduce it so far and our material is actually um, the the underlying structure is a porous polymer structure, but the pores are extremely tiny. You can't see them. They're, they're at the, the micron scale. And so it looks like a solid, but it's actually highly porous. And what we do with that is we then coat all of the surfaces all throughout that material with copper, and that makes it conductive. And, and the end result is something that can be much, much lighter than solid copper, but it still has the handling properties and, and the um, conductivity of the solid copper and just in that component, we can reduce the weight um, by up to 70%, depending on, on the original copper component. And that can can result in a weight reduction of the actual battery by up to 10% for for the same amount of energy.
2: And um, as we'll come into later, it's not just the weight, but it's the increased area that's important there. This um, tiny structure you're talking about, I guess, at the nano level, that's where the next name comes in, nano What is that product?
0: Um, the, the nanode, the product you yes. or Yes. Yeah, the nanode is, is a similar structure, so it's actually the next step. So the, the luma full replaces just the copper current collector, and with the nanode, we take it a step further and we actually incorporate the energy part of the bio, of the electrode, the, the active material, within the material. And so instead of having... Um, the active material on the outside we've actually got the active material all through that material and that's where the surface area comes in because you can have very thin layers of active material in very good contact with the current collector um, all through the material and and that has a lot of benefits and much um, greater um, improvements in in both weight and volume for the overall battery.
2: So what what are the essentials? The essentials that you're doing differently? Um, is it just this nanostructure that you're uh, managed to produce commercially?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's quite a few people at the research level working on three dimensional materials for electrodes, and so that's quite well known, and, and they get really good results, but um, they're building them up in in ways that require very expensive equipment, building them up atom by atom or or etching them from a solid. And so they can only make very tiny quantities of these three-dimensional materials. And so the big difference with what we're doing is we're getting all the benefits of the three-dimensional material, but we're using processes that can be mass-produced and and low-cost raw materials. And so that's what makes our product um, destined for good commercialization possibility, whereas...
1: So can you explain what the different processes are that, or what the changes are
0: in the processes? Um, well, as opposed to the ones that actually produce it by building building structures up on, on a nanoscale, we, we, um, have, we start with a, a material that's a polymer material and it's produced by actually having very small fibers and, and running it through a process that's very similar to making paper, so um, the fibers are, are smaller than the fibers in paper. But much like paper is is mostly empty. If you look at it, it seems solid, but it's actually fibers that are um, are put together, and, and there's a lot of space inside the paper. And so the the starting material that we use is is actually very similar, and um, that forms the backbone structure. And then we have. Um, Basically, chemical deposition processes that, that are um, aqueous deposition. So it's, it's a lot like um, electroplating, but we don't use the electricity. So it's plating in an in a, um, electricity-free way onto all of the surfaces. And um, so, again, that's, that's um, very well-known technology in other industries, and on other scales. And, and we've developed some methods to do that on the, the very small scale and, and to be able to get it all the way through the material.
2: So you have this um, lattice work. Then with the lumifol, you're coating it with copper, if I understand correctly?
0: Yeah, the copper.
2: And it, it, that's the final product, or um, do you still have to put graphite on that as well?
0: Um, our final product would, would be the lumifol just with the copper and then we would provide that to the battery makers and then they put the graphite onto the outside of that to make the full electrode
2: and and the huge advantage of or advantages of this uh you get much greater um area uh, per unit volume you are dealing with a volume rather than a, a flat surface um you're getting less weight as you started off saying instead of the solid copper um are they the main advantages, and, and how do they affect the battery performance?
0: Well, the obvious advantage is the weight, because you get the same behavior or the same energy for less weight, and, and that's attractive. But there, there are actually a couple other advantages that are not as immediately obvious, but actually are very important. And one of those is due to the porosity of the material, it has a, a strong wicking ability. Um, it mm-hmm. can draw liquid through it. And it turns out that one of the really time-consuming parts of battery assembly is actually getting the, the liquid electrolyte to go through the electrode, and that can take days even. And with our material, though, the 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 copper lumifoil itself draws that electrolyte through very, very quickly. And so there's a huge savings in... The assembly time for batteries using that using our material, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another big benefit that we have is that the the surface is actually structured because of the the nature of it being made from fibres and being porous. There's a a natural texture on the surface of the material, and it, it also working with battery makers, we've we've learned that a lot of people are working on trying to make the Solid copper foil have a texture very similar to what we have, mm-hmm. and the the purpose is to have that graphite coating um, stick to the surface better. When when the surface is too smooth, the graphite coating has a tendency to flake away, peel away over time, and that can be one of the reasons the battery loses its energy over time because
2: it degrades it's access
0: yeah. to the graphite. Whereas with that textured surface, we find we have very very good adhesion. And so we're expecting that to translate into a better, better lifetime performance of the battery.
2: So apart from faster and therefore cheaper construction of the battery, what are the results of the battery in terms of energy density, current flow, size, and so on?
0: Well, with, with the Luma foil itself, the main advantage is the weight. It doesn't actually reduce the the volume of the battery because it still replaces a. Um, uh, the the component with something just as big, um, but it can have up, up to about ten percent reduction in in weight of the of the cell.
2: So does that lead us into your other product, the the nanode product?
0: Yes, the nanode is then the next step. That's that's a much bigger leap because we would work with very high energy materials, um, and we would actually coat them all throughout the inside of the luma foil. So instead of having the graphite on the outside, we would use and other, other materials and have them throughout within the Luma foil, and and that's where we would see really big jumps in energy density both weight and volume
2: and if I understand correctly you're using tin and that people have tried to use tin before but on a, on a flat surface the fact that the tin expands on charging causes degradation of the terminal but with your lattice structure it can tolerate that expansion for charging and, and so then you can have the much more productive tin is that right?
0: Yeah, with tin, the, it, it, um, it it has that expansion problem, and if you have a very, very thin layer, then you don't have the problem with the expansion, but a very thin layer would normally not have much energy, so with a very large surface area throughout our material, we can still have that very thin layer and have a, a large amount of the tin and therefore have the energy that we need, and so that has that a big advantage. And the form of the pores as well allows for any expansion that does happen to, to be absorbed within the material rather than increasing the full battery um, thickness. So that's a, a big advantage with tin. And we're also looking at potentially in a, in a longer term using our material with um, lithium metal as the anode material. And um, so then that would be just pure lithium plating
1: out on the anode side. This is the BZE Climate Solutions Show, and we're talking to Stephanie Morris, the CEO of Nano Nouvelle Systems, about their new technology to increase lithium battery efficiency. Stephanie, I understand that there are many nanostructures being designed globally at the moment, and you referred to them a little bit earlier, and you've just recently demonstrated that your nanostructure can be produced in a commercially viable production line, and that gives you a route to the full-scale production forms that other nanotechnology doesn't have. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're actually doing there? Are you working with overseas battery manufacturers, or how is that working?
0: Well, proving the production, we've been working with equipment suppliers. So these are people who uh, produce the production equipment. And so we've been able to tested on, on their equipment in-house and show that it that it can work in those processes that um, can produce um, continuous rolls of material. And it's those rolls that would then go to the battery manufacturers to go into their production lines. So at the moment, we're working with quite a number of battery makers overseas, um, and they are all overseas, um, several in, in China and Korea, um, some... Smaller niche battery makers as well in um, in the U.S. and, and Europe. So, um, so Australia doesn't
1: everything. have any ma- manufacturing at all. Not
0: of lithium-ion batteries, no.
2: Mm-hmm. So, what can you just explain tf, um, to me the difference between um, lithium metal uh, battery, sorry, and lithium-ion? That's I-O-N, not I-R-O-N batteries. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, well, they they both use the lithium ion as the the carrier within the battery, so that it's the same it's the same species that goes back and forth between the anode and the cathode. What the difference is is the all the lithium ion batteries today use um, use a material on the anode that will in some way combine with the lithium ion, and, and that material is almost always graphite. So the the lithium ion will then um, insert itself into the graphite and, um, and come back out. And that graphite, it, it has a, uh, it's, it's there to sort of keep control of the lithium ions so that they are, are in the right spot where you, where you want them. Um, however, if you could get rid of the graphite, then that's a, a component that's completely taken out, and you could plate lithium metal directly onto the anode and there's a lot of people working on that and and when we're talking to the battery companies they they are really turning towards that as the the longer term solution but there are some difficulties with that Um, the most serious difficulty with the lithium metal anode is that the metal doesn't always plate in a perfectly flat um, or controlled way and so it can actually start to form little spikes and those spikes can then poke through the you separate it on and touch the cathode side and then you have a short circuit and, and um, that's mm. what can, can light the battery on fire. So it's a very, very serious problem. And what we're looking at with our material is that, again, due to its structure, if it's within the pores, even if those, they're called dendrites, those little spikes, even yeah. if those dendrites start to grow, they'll just reach the other side of the pore and, and they'll simply... Connect to the other side of the pore, rather than, rather than poking through the separator into the cathode. And so we've we've just started doing some work with with um, testing some of this um, this concept, and and so far it's going really well. So we're looking forward to developing that further in the future.
2: So that's actually a safety advantage in your technology, as well as the other advantages.
0: Yes, for the lithium metal. Yes. Yep.
2: Yeah. So several weeks ago we spoke to Dr. Naraj Sharma about his research into sodium ion batteries, and he was looking at solving issues about the molecular structure of battery electrodes to allow the use of sodium ions rather than lithium. Is your technology likely to be of any help there? Is it able to lend itself to
0: alternatives to lithium? Yes, the, the basic structure and the concept can certainly be used in, in other batteries, and including sodium ion batteries, and sodium ion batteries work very similarly to lithium ion um, so that can certainly transfer across um, but at the moment sodium mine has some some other more more chemical issues in terms of how it 's interacting with uh, with the the anode and cathode, so um, they have a few things to solve still.
1: <laughs> so Stephanie, you mentioned before that you're working with um commercial um companies to produce this product, or the, the batteries, what sort of time frame do you think it'll be before your product's available commercially?
0: Well, we're, we're looking at getting a, a small pilot line built here in Australia so that we can produce enough material to supply field trials, and that would be larger larger numbers of, of batteries that would then be tested in, in all conditions within an application. So we're, we're aiming to have that um, by next year have get into those field trials. And then we would aim to have probably a very small application to start, maybe a specialized drone application or something like that to begin the commercial um, commercial product. And we would probably be able to supply that just out of the, the pilot line if it's a small application. And so we'd be aiming to do that um, end of next year, most likely. And then from there we would have to build a, a more... Um, full-size plant somewhere, and then that would most likely be somewhere closer to the battery makers.
1: And are manufacturers um, generally going for the Lumafoil or the Nanode and Lumafoil?
0: Well, in general, they're very interested in in the Nanode because it, it offers such a big leap in performance, but it is a little bit further off and requires more integration with the battery because it's a, a different... It, it, it would. Need some, some, um, adjustment to the rest of the batteries. So that's a bit of a longer term thing. Um, but the LumaFoil, that's where we're really getting a lot of interest. And at first we didn't expect that because it, it doesn't have the same leap in energy. But, um, it, what's happening is that the battery makers see that and they see that they can integrate it very easily into their existing processes and, and directly into the batteries that they have using all the materials they have. And so for them, it's a very quick improvement. And um, and then the advantages in terms of the, the porosity and the, the wicking of the electrolyte and the adhesion, um, it it also gets them very excited because those are things that they're currently working on to try to fix. And if we can fix those problems and provide a weight reduction, and all of this with um, minimal adjustment to their current battery processes, then... They're they're very uh, interested in it.
2: And when they do go to your nanode product, what sort of improvements are are you estimating they'll be able to get in terms of power and efficiency over current battery technologies?
0: Um, A lot of that depends on how they integrate it, how what other components they put with it. But um, we're certainly seeing that um, in the lab, we're able to get upwards of fifty percent improvement in energy density. Um, but again, it, it does take a lot of adjustment in, in the overall cell to um, to put the nano in, and therefore it'll it'll depend a little bit on what strategy each battery maker chooses in how they want to use that.
2: But if you're offering fifty percent improvement on current batteries, he can understand they'll have motivation to do that, won't they?
0: <laughs> they do, but it, it's interesting because they also have a lot of constraints. You know they they um have their current production equipment their current lines and how they do things and um yeah so it's interesting because you think of it as being obvious that they'll they'll go for the really big leap but um there's there's a lot of things that they have to take into account that um can slow down their ability to uh, to bring in new technologies that are more more substantially different
1: well, I can imagine that um, the cost of changing over production lines would be quite a, a massive amount.
2: Stephanie, as predicted, we're running out of time for our questions. We've got, I think, less than three minutes left. Can you just talk to us briefly about um, the difficulties of working in Australia um, when there's no, te- no, no ma- manufacturers here and um, allied with that, uh, are you well protected with patents? Are you able to hold this um, IP in Australia?
0: Yes, we've Um, we've got patents in all the major um, markets and in the major countries that produce uh, batteries. So we're covered with patents and that actually takes quite a lot of time because every country comes back with with their examinations and and we need to respond and Mm. um, (laughs) so it's it's a fair bit of effort. And um, and then as far as working with people overseas, I think it's, it's easy to see it as a downside because of course it means a lot of travel, it means a lot of early morning phone calls and, and late evening phone calls with different time zones and hiring translators and interpreters. and mm-hmm. uh, So there's, there's a lot of downsides. But at the same time, I think sometimes what can start out as a downside can also um, end up being a, a competitive advantage because what we see, for example, with American um, startups is that they have everything they need within the U.S., all, all the Different companies that they might want to work with, and so they never really look outside the country for um, un- until they're they're quite late in the day. Whereas mm-hmm. we're from the beginning looking at everyone around the world and who we can work with and who makes the best fit and and where the best markets are. And and um, most of the batteries are now um, produced in China and Korea, so those are the real strengths areas. Mm-hmm. And so being forced to go. Overseas has also opened us up to um, looking at the whole world at once, rather than remaining in our own corner and, and um, um, maybe just working, worrying about the domestic market. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, really.
1: So, what are the main markets that are going to benefit from this?
0: Um, the the main markets would be the ones that are very sensitive to um, to weight and energy. So. Um, we're getting a lot of interest from people working with drones because they have such a, a critical issue with um, how much weight they have to carry and, and fly. We also um, have a lot of interest from electric vehicles um weight's a big issue in terms of the range mm-hmm. that you can um, achieve
1: messy,
0: and yeah. um and then also also things like um energy storage for or um, residences, or, or even larger scale. And those would be more looking at the the benefits in terms of lifetime and um, to some extent weight, but not, not as much weight in those
2: ones. Stephanie, I think we're out of time now. Um, this is absolutely fascinating. Um, your nanostructure, that, uh, um, greatly improving the efficiency and capacity of lithium batteries.
1: And Stephanie, do you have any websites or places where people can get further information about this?
0: Yeah, we have a website. It's uh, www.nanonouvelle.com.au and, and that's maybe a bit easier because there's more images that you can actually see what, what the structures look like. You, you've
2: and, done very well for a, a radio show to explain such complex topics, Stephanie. Thank you. And,
1: Stephanie, just um, to, to, for our listeners, nano is N-A-N-O dash So that's the website to go to. Thanks very much for your time, Stephanie. Okay, thank you.
2: The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank, Beyond Zero Emissions, and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bzd.org.au and click on Podcasts. If you enjoy the program would like to donate, just go to the BZE website and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and hope we'll catch you again next week.